Hi, welcome to the show Be Convinced, where I share life-changing stories of hope with you so that you can get a big dose of hope in just 30 minutes. I'm your host, Soraya Diasi Kofeld. I'm an Ivy League-educated lawyer, a former judge, small business owner, children's author, wife, and mother who's passionate about helping to improve your life and convincing you that there is indeed hope for a better future for ourselves and our children. Because of my diverse education and life experiences, I'm able to bring to you a wide variety of guests, from children to millennials to senior citizens all of whom share their heartfelt, life-changing stories of hope to inspire and motivate you. Each story is told by ordinary people, just like you and me, who went through different challenges in their lives and have been able to overcome them. Mother Teresa once said that one person alone cannot change the world, but one person can cast a stone across the water to create many ripples. I would like my podcast to do just that, create many ripples through many lives, including yours, as we hope for and achieve better. Please rate and review my podcast on Apple or Spotify. Also, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. It's easy. Just click a button and it's free and you'll get all my new episodes to keep you encouraged and filled with hope. This is episode number 108. What do you do when you suffer a lot of personal loss? Your parent dies, you go through a divorce, and lose your business. My guest is author Chip Nightingale, who did not give up and encourages you not to either. He shares with us his struggles from the many losses in his life and how he used the lessons he learned to move forward and become a successful leader. Chip is also a husband, father, pastor, businessman, coach, and motivational speaker who will indeed inspire you. We also talk about his book titled Cease Fire, Finding Peace When All You See Is Conflict. Conflict is everywhere and how you handle it makes a significant difference in your personal and professional lives. Chip gives you important tools to use so that you can live free of unforgiveness and bitterness and truly identify and manage the sources of conflict in your life. When you do that, you can walk in true humility and grace. Please stay tuned as you will indeed be convinced and filled with hope. My passion has always been to spread the love of books and promote the importance of literacy in a child's life. My passion inspired me to write a series of five faith-based children's books about our favorite holidays from a Christian's perspective, Easter, Fourth of July, Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. My books are filled with colorful illustrations and lots of humor because children love to laugh. All proceeds from book sales go to the nonprofit foundation as the Stars of the Sky Foundation to help promote literacy. To purchase my books, please visit asastarsofthesky.org or your favorite online bookseller. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Be Convinced, where we share life-changing stories of hope. And as you know, my guest today is Chip Nightingale, and I have a wonderful quote from Chip, and it is, treasure in leadership is not what we make, but what we take care of. And Chip, you've gone through a lot of losses in your life, and you've just overcome a lot of challenges, and I'm just so happy to have you join us today. Well, Soraya, I'm excited about being with you and your guest today. Yeah, I've gone through some challenges, but I am so thankful that uh, God has used those challenges to shape me and who I am today. 
Yes, certainly. And we just can't be overcome by our challenges. We have to be fighters. And you've definitely been a fighter all your life. And you're a husband, a father, a pastor, a businessman, a coach, a motivational speaker, and now an author. We're going to talk about your book in a little while. And it's Ceasefire, Finding Peace When All You See Is Conflict. So for the listening audience, we know that during these times, there's been so much conflict. So I really look forward to talking to you, Chip, about the book. But before we do, tell us about your early years and these losses that you suffered. I remember being 12 years old and the day my mom told me that she had cancer and I'm the oldest of five. Yes. I just remember coming home from the hospital and telling us what was happening. And my siblings kind of went away, went to their rooms. I stayed a little bit longer with my mom. And and the first thing that came to my mind was, are you going to die tomorrow? Yes. And at 12 years old, I think that's the thing that kind of pops within our heads. My mom did end up passing away when I was 15 of cancer. It has been interesting how my life has been changing ever since then. Back then, I was kind of a passive kid. I was a mama's boy, wasn't really much of a leader at all. But as soon as that kind of happened, it was almost like I stepped up and became a a different person. I became more of a leader, more of type A personality, not so much someone that just kind of stayed in the background. And, And I think a lot of that had to do with stepping up and feeling like I needed to help take care of my siblings. My dad was going through some struggles during that time, obviously, and yes. and we became friends. But at the same time, someone had to get the kids to school, so all those types of things. And I seemed to basically had step up and taken on that role. And then I would say I was just trying to find myself. High school happens, and I made some pretty drastic decisions that were probably not normal uh, for someone in my position, but my whole desire was to play baseball. I I wanted to be a professional baseball player and I got hurt. I hurt my leg. And at that moment in time, things just kind of spiraled in a downward way. And I began to lose my way, I guess is the best way of saying that. Yes. And I got married to someone that uh, I really truly did love. And we were growing, even growing and going to church. And then she wanted more and she ended up leaving me for someone else. We had a daughter during that time. So it's just one thing after another, after another, just kind of come basically begin to pile on top of each other. And I couldn't understand or make sense of it. The church rejected me. People rejected me because of that. Are you talking about because of the divorce? Yeah, because of the divorce. And uh, it just kind of created some turmoil within my life. But after going through some really hard times, it was like I snapped out of it and wanted to basically prove to the world that I was not the loser that it felt like I was becoming. I started a business and my construction business started to grow. But even that went through a season where the market crashed, the housing market crashed. It started in 2005. Everybody talks about 2008, but I felt it in 2005. People I was working for began to file bankruptcy during that time. And it really had a major effect uh, on me. But I was remarried at the time, and my wife of that time really did a great job of finding the right people to come around me to encourage me, even though I was really struggling, depression, all that kind of stuff. And the Lord used that as an opportunity to bring me in a full-time ministry, and that's kind of why I'm here today. Everything's been kind of an upward trend since that moment in time. Doesn't mean we haven't had struggles 
But all those struggles kind of led me to that point where I am today. So important is you didn't give up and you got the help from others. And we do need help from other people in our lives to encourage us and to keep us on the straight and narrow path. So when did it dawn on you or when did you feel that you wanted to become a pastor? Well, actually, I never wanted to become a pastor. I have my degree (laughs) in business, and (laughs) um, my dad was a pastor for 35 years. And there was a season I was working in ministry. This was after all of my owning my business. I got asked to come work for this ministry. Well, while I was there, I was running a men's weekend with a friend of mine, and and Crawford Loritz was the main speaker at that conference. And as I was co-hosting, the very first night, the, the first thing he talked about was the importance of dads being involved in their daughter's lives, especially yes. when they were going into high school. Well, when I moved and went into full-time ministry, I left my daughter for my first wife back in Michigan, and I was living in upstate New York. Now, I would travel and see her every six weeks. I would find a way to travel to Michigan every yes. six weeks to spend time with her. But knowing she was going into high school, it just stirred within my heart. And I really had no intention of leaving the ministry I was in. But after that weekend, decided I needed to go back home and take care of my daughter. I needed to be there for her, especially those last four years of of her high school years and Mm -hmm. didn't have a plan. I just remember telling my wife that, hey, we're going to be moving back. She's like, what? I thought we were going to stay here. Like, this was it. I thought you were going to stay with Word of Life forever. And I was like, uh, I've just been convicted that I need to go back and be the dad to my daughter. That's so impressive. Yes. So she's like, well, what are we going to do? I said, I think I probably will just start building houses again. I still had friends from my construction company that I knew I could uh, at least do some subcontracting work or anything like that. And the church that I grew up there, the one that my dad pastored, he was no longer pastoring there. He had just left in the fall, asked heard I was going to be moving back and asked if I would consider coming and being their pastor. And my first response was no, Yeah, I'm not qualified. Mm-hmm. I'm divorced. I'm all these types of things. And I have a business degree. I don't have a seminary degree. And they're like, well, we've seen what God has done in your life. We think differently. And they asked me to consider it. And so I kind of walked through that door mm-hmm. thinking that door would actually shut but it didn't. They did eventually vote me in to be their pastor. And I served at that church for eight years before coming to being an executive with Word of Life again. Yes. And imagine how God opened up that opportunity for you. And it it was hard. I'm sure it was hard, especially for your wife to get up and move now after she settled in New York. And you follow God's leading. You started as a pastor and you served for eight years. And you actually do have four children with your wife, Audrey? Correct. Well, we have three children three together children. and my oldest yes. is with my first wife. But yes, I mean, and in fact, she just got married a couple weekends ago. We were excited about that. We had Wonderful. an amazing wedding. and Congratulations. Uh, yes. And it was so cool to just see how God had really blessed that decision and my relationship with my daughter. We are yes. very, very close. And I don't think it would have been that way, actually, if I would not have moved back. Yes, so true. What a profound story and what a profound impact you've had on your daughter. So do you have other daughters or is she the only daughter? Nope. My next child is a daughter as well. She's a senior in high school this year. And she is very, very special young lady who is getting ready. She's gotten accepted to go to a Bible school. She doesn't have any other passions except for to go to Bible school for a year or two and then be a mom. 
and who knows what's going to happen in all of that, but really excited for her. Yeah, certainly. And then Chip, you went on and now what are you doing or what have you been doing for the past several years? March 15th of 2020, right when COVID hit and everything shut down, we were in process of moving to Florida where we were coming back to work for Word of Life, the ministry I left to uh, go to Michigan. They asked if I would consider coming back and take basically an executive role. I was not in an executive role when I was there before, but through just what they had seen, uh, God bless the ministry of the church. And I was actually running a camp during that time as well and brought Mm -hmm. that camp out of debt. And they asked if I would consider being the director of advancement for them. So now I'm a fundraiser. I raise money for them. And in fact, we're in $20.5 million campaign for our property down here in Florida. It's been a whirlwind even with that. But I really believe that the whirlwinds leading up to that helped to prepare me for what was to come. I got laid off because it was COVID and I was a new employee. So they laid me off and there was uncertainty there. Mm -hmm. And then I lost my dad, you know, three or four months into um, the season of COVID. It was in August of 2020. Yes. Yes. I'm sorry about that. Yes. A lot of hardships. Yeah. So it has been a whirlwind, but at the same time, I can really see God's hand in all of it and where I am today. It's really what led me to writing the book. Ceasefire was really all the conflict that I had to go through and what I learned from it and really what I learned through conflict when it had to deal with people within church and business and all those types. Yeah. So your book, again, the title is Ceasefire, Finding Peace When All You See Is Conflict. So why did you write a book about conflict? Well, one of the things I realized, especially as being a pastor, that we can't move forward when there's conflict and there seems to be conflict all the time. It is interesting. Satan is really alive and active. I think we kind of pretend like he's not out there for some reason. But the reality is there is a battle and he doesn't want to see churches grow. And I think the reason that he creates this conflict within the church is uh, to prevent it from growing. But the Bible gives us very clear guidelines on how to deal with conflict. But for whatever reason, we as churches don't handle it correctly. We want to go to the pastor or we want to go to an elder and we want them to handle our conflict. Well, unfortunately, that's not what scripture tells us we're actually to go to our brother or our sister and handle that conflict one-on-one before we even involve people within the church. But it never usually works that way. And so in 2018, I did a sermon series on this and I was like, I need to write a book. Obviously I was too busy during that time and COVID kind of opened the door up in 2020 because everything slowed down. I was laid off. I was like, I was experiencing some more conflict. And so (laughs) I was I was like, you know what? I don't think the timing could be any better than this. And so I did write the book during that time. And the principles that you teach in the book, can they be used in other than church conflicts? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Um, in fact, I have organizations of people who have read the book, which has been very, very exciting. Organizations have called me and we've kind of walked through that process. It's interesting because I think the world actually does a better job of this than the church does. Typically, we have HR, human resource, but HR, their whole job is to listen to the conflict and give them advice to how to handle the conflict. And what they do is tell them, typically, is tell them, well, you need to go have a conversation with them. Let them know. Let's kind of start here. So I think it's interesting that within the world, they do a better job typically of handling conflict. Now, that's not the case all the time. 
But I do think it's important for us. The principles are still the same. So many times we involve other people before we deal with what the conflict really is. I liken it to marriage, for example. Young couples that I counsel that are um, in pre-marriage counseling, I'll tell them, don't involve your parents and all these other people in your conflict because what it ends up doing is now they have a perception of that person. It could be your future spouse or these types of things, and they get in protective mode, and now you can't deal with the conflict. They have a perception that is based off of your feelings, not based off of reality. Yes. And so I tell them, be very, very careful. Who are those sources you go to get advice? Because that advice has to be based off of good principles, not based off of, hey, I'm a friend with you, so I'm going to take your side. But that's hard for us. It's hard for us to find mentors that are willing to tell us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. Yes, certainly. And tell us some of the things that you teach in the book about conflict. Well, one of the things that I learned that I think is very important for us to understand is that most of the time when we have conflict, it's really something that is internal, something that's dealing with us first. Basically, we're having conflict within ourselves. At least that's what I began to realize within myself that most of my conflict was because maybe I had conflict with somebody else and I didn't handle it right. When I have conflict with my wife, it's usually because I brought something home from work and I'm stressed out and now I'm all of a sudden I'm upset with my wife. And really, I was never upset with her at all. But now I have conflict with two things instead of just one thing. And so we talk about the importance of being able to take a step back and evaluate ourselves and come to an understanding of what it is that we're really having conflict with. Is this really conflict? Or is this that I'm struggling internally about something? I had a situation just recently where I had some people approach me about some conflict they had with me. I had no idea. I had no idea they had conflict with me. But when they presented it to me, my initial response in the past would have been defense. Like, I'm going to defend myself. Well, actually, because of writing the book and I think life experience, I decided not to defend myself and I just listened. And as I listened, I began to realize that even though not all the things that they were saying were absolutely true, there was some truth in the things they were saying. And it has helped me to grow so much really in my relationship with those individuals, but also with my relationship with my understanding of myself. Certainly, yeah. And now I'm doing a better job of listening and not being so defensive all the time. Usually a def- being defensive is a guilty response. I'm yes. guilty. So yes. I did try to defend myself. And I think, unfortunately, we don't understand how to work through those. And so one of the things I try to encourage people really is to be better listeners. Yes. And I also read on your website about the book and it says you encourage people to walk in humility and grace. Yes, absolutely. It starts with that humility. In order for us to be able to extend grace, we have to be humble within ourselves. It's just not hard. We don't live in that culture. The culture is build yourself up, be someone of success. Success looks like you have it all together Most of the time when we look at someone who's successful, we think they're arrogant, but really true success is being humble. And then through that humble, showing grace. I think if we would take a step back and think about all the things that people have forgiven us for, 
it is so much easier for us to look at someone that may have wronged us and have grace for them. At least it is for me. I have messed up a ton. So really, nobody, in my opinion, should have ever forgiven me. Yes. But the fact that they have shows me how much more important it is that I forgive them. Yes. And importantly, God forgives us. Absolutely. When we Absolutely. come to him, yes, when we come to him with a contrite heart and, and truly seek forgiveness. You also talk about in the book about how to deal with unforgiveness and bitterness, because that is really something that can often plague a person, just feeling very bitter and upset and unforgiving because of what somebody has said or done to them. One of the things that I think we need to address or do a better job of in general, when conflict comes to the surface, yes. a lot of times what we have begun to realize, especially as pastors or counselors, is that when someone is having an issue with someone else, it really started from something that was unforgiven in the past. And it's almost like you have to break down those layers, the onion layers, you know, you've heard yes. that description before, and get down to the root cause of what really has been the reason for the bitterness. And typically, it was unforgiveness that started maybe years before. It's almost like AA meetings, and they tell you to go through the 12 steps and walk through these 12 steps. You know, what reality is, is forgiveness is the same thing. We need to go back and seek forgiveness. If someone has wronged us and it's creating bitterness within us, we need to approach the person that has wronged us and at least give them an opportunity to ask for forgiveness. But here's the thing. We also have to understand that they may not. We may get there and they may just go, you know what? I don't think I was wrong in that. Exactly. And you need to be willing to be able to go, I did my part. I went there. I've relinquished this burden that's there. And then you need to let go of it, whatever the response may be. And it may be if they say, you know what? I'm not going to seek forgiveness in this. Then now they're going to be the ones that are going to have to work through this process of reconciliation, of grace, humility, all those types of things. Yeah, certainly. And you have a lot of biblical scriptures in your book to that deal with resolving conflict. Yeah, absolutely. You know, being a pastor, I think that's one of those things <laughs> yes. that just helps to bring clarity as to why I came up with the conclusions that I did. That's it great. really weren't my conclusions yes. at all. They were really <laughs> from God's truths. And I think it's important that we really dive into God's word and understand the truths of it so that we know our guidelines, our guideposts really to how to deal with conflict. And I love James 4, where it says, what causes quarrels and fights among you? Isn't it that you have passions for the things that are of yourselves? Obviously, I'm paraphrasing, but I think it's important for us to understand that really most of the time that the reason we have these conflict is because of us. Like, yes, we want something so badly that we're willing to hurt people to get it. So it's important that we understand also that there's some steps and processes to get past it. Yeah. So the principles that you have in your book can be used in a number of different areas in businesses and counseling, as you mentioned, in church, of course, and you have such a vast background. You also had told me that you were a coach in high school. Correct. Yes. Yeah, I coached uh, football for 20 plus years. And then yes. uh, I coached some girls varsity basketball and boys basketball and those types of things. And I have learned a lot of lessons on how yes. to handle conflict through that and really how to help 
young people to walk through it. There's probably the best experience, even more than being a pastor, because young people actually listen and pay attention to you. <laughs> yeah. Pastors, you know, it's mostly <laughs> uh-huh. adults who already think they have it all together. But teenagers, especially junior hires, kids that are even younger than that, when you're coaching them, you're like their idol and they're ready to listen. But as conflict arises, how do we help them work through that? And coaching was just a great avenue to help them through some of those things. Yes, that's wonderful. And then Chip, as we're coming to the close of the show, I wanted you to let the listening audience know about your website and what they can find there, what type of information. Well, my website is chipnightingale.com. And really, you can find information on how you can plug into some of the things that I do, whether it's maybe you need someone to come help you coach through conflict. I do help companies with creating vision and understanding their goals and objectives as companies or churches or organizations, even those that are coaching athletes. Because I really think you need a vision, a vision statement or a mission statement that defines who you are. So I do those types of things. So you can find that on the website. You can also find my book, Cease Fire Finding Peace When All You See Is Conflict, and you can get that on Amazon. And then also, I have a podcast called Yes, You Can Lead, Life and Leadership Lessons with Me. And it's only about 12, 15 minute podcast episodes, but we talk about basically life and leadership principles. And I really believe that we've all been created to lead. We've all have someone underneath us. If you are a mom, you're a stay-at-home mom, you have children that you're leading. They need to learn how to lead their future families. They may not be a leader in the workforce or whatever they might be doing in their future, but they still have to understand the principles of leading. So we talk about some of those things. Yes, wonderful. So let's go back to your quote, treasure in leadership is not what we make, but what we take care of. So why don't you give us an understanding more about your quote? Well, interesting enough, I did a podcast series. And one of the things that we talked about within the series was just your treasures, guarding your treasures. Yeah. And the things that have been given to us are the things that God has given to us. So it's important that we take care of them. And that's whatever's in front of us, whatever we're leading, whatever we're, it could be money, it could be our house, it could be the vehicles, it could be whatever, whatever is in front of us, God gave it to us. And I think that quote is so important because I think so many times we think success in leadership is actually building treasures but actually it's taking care of treasures. So that's why I think that quote is so important. Yes, thank you. Well, Chip, you've really inspired us about ways to resolve conflict and not give up. Your life is a testimony of not giving up and and having faith and, and moving forward. So thank you so much and really appreciate you being a guest on the podcast today and hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Well, thank you. And thank you for allowing me to be a part of this special day. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for joining me on my show, Be Convinced, as we share with you life-changing stories of hope. Please visit my Facebook page, Be Convinced VI, and like and follow me. I post weekly about upcoming radio shows and podcasts. Please also visit my website at sorayadiasikofelt.com, where you will be able to read more about me and access my podcasts, which are all designed to give you a big dose of hope in just 30 minutes. Let's contemplate on what the great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said. Use me, God. Show me how to take who I am, who I want to be, and what I can do, and use it for a greater purpose than myself. Mm